Welcome to the Open IC, the show where we talk to the movers and shakers in M&A, the teams behind the deals and how the deals really went down. This show is brought to you by Fintan.io, the hiring and project platform for M&A and strategy professionals. I'm your host, Toby Liebsch. All right, today I'm talking to Haley Altman. Haley is the global head of corporate development at Litera Microsystems, and we'll jump right into to what Litera does. But Haley, you were also a CEO and sold your company to Litera before, so there is a lot of interesting things done back today. Welcome yeah. to the Open IC, Haley. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, Haley, you already mentioned that you're kind of a one-person M&A team. And when I looked at the, the acquisition record of, of Litera, I was kind of blown away because you're doing a lot of stuff there. <laughs> so could you introduce us to who you are and, and what you do at Litera? So I'm Haley Altman. I'm the Global Head of Corporate Development at Litera. So I came to Latera via acquisition. So I was a lawyer who practiced for over 10 years. And then I left practice to create a tech company to solve some of the problems that I was seeing in the industry. And I sold that company after three years to Latera and kind of continued on in my journey there. And as I kind of moved up at the, at the company, I started taking on more corp dev opportunities or roles and responsibilities. And then in January of, of this past year, really kind of took over the kind of M&A process. Now, actually, the Corp Dev team is a team of two now, which is very oh, yeah. exciting at the start of this year. So I'll mention that in a second. But I'm fortunate that like we have such an amazing team, you know, with the, from the rest of our leadership team that actively plays roles in the acquisition process, our GC and um, HG, our private equity backer is like an incredible kind of partner to work with as we like think through what do we want to do from a, an acquisition perspective? You know, what resources do we have available for us to like kind of help put this together? So I took over the role of kind of global head of corporate development in January of 2021. Then we've acquired nine companies. The last one, which we finished closed on January 21st um, of this year. Right. And so it's been a, a crazy journey, but one of the companies that we acquired, Clocktimizer, Peter Vandehoven, their founder and co-founder and CEO, has joined the corporate development team to help with our M&A process and as well as kind of putting together some more of the framework for our strategic partnership program. So we yeah. he moved into that role at the start of this year. And so now we are a mighty team of two and looking to continue bringing forth the Latera strategy. Yeah. So is M&A at Litera actually just a scheme for acquihire? It is a it is a nice benefit that we, you know, it's one of those things when you're looking at companies and you're thinking about who you want to bring in, like the people that that build a company are so incredibly important to the success that it has. And so, you know, that is one of the most fortunate things I get to meet incredible founders that we bring into the company and then hopefully get to do really cool things with after the fact. Yeah, Peter and I both have come from Aquahire. It does depend, but it yeah. has been awesome to get to work with some of these amazing founders. Yeah. yeah, I think there's three topics that I wanna go through with you today and oh, we have enough time to go through them. But so the first story I wanna go through is your journey from, from a legal background to being head of corporate dev, which is of course not the traditional route, always. The second is your entrepreneurial path and then actually selling because you've been in both roles as on the sell side, not as an ad advisor, but actually being uh, acquired. 
and now moving to corporate dev and like uh, I kind of want to talk about your perspective here. And the third space is really like Litera's acquisition strategy and just looking through um, the kind of companies you buy. And um, I actually want to start with the latter because can you quickly introduce also what does Litera actually do? So we have a bit of context yeah. of the industry Absolutely. and then you can actually also tell us about the acquisition, like your latest one. Yeah, so we are a um, legal tech provider. So we provide um, software to law firms and corporate legal departments. And so we really want to, you know, a couple of us who are in the company come from a legal background. We've been attorneys and we're really passionate about the industry and what we can do to make the lives of the attorneys and legal teams better. And so the company really got to start in the drafting space. You know, part of all the aspects of a legal process is creating these documents that underlie a transaction or a case or, you know, just any sort of representation employment agreement. Yeah. And so we started off like, how do we make it so you can go from first draft to, to final delivery better? Then we realized that Documents don't operate in isolation. A single document is never, is not usually the only document that's important to any sort of matter. So we started to look at like kind of the workflow. How do you bring these documents together? That's where the acquisition of my company came in and yeah, Doxly yeah. to build out a transaction management space. How do we work on a deal? So a lot of this M&A that we're talking about, there's so many documents that need to come together to form the basis of an acquisition. So you have checklists with sometimes hundreds of things that need to be done, including documents to be drafted. And so we wanted to create a space where you could actually take all those documents and 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 collaborate on them. Yeah. We then added some litigation management. And then, you know, once we realized, you know, to collaborate on a batter, you actually have to understand the knowledge and experience of the firm on representative matters. Like yeah. I can use I can learn so much from the things that we've already done. Like, how did we negotiate that earnout in the past? Like, what are like some ways we've looked at, you know, indemnification provisions? Mm -hmm. So we looked more to move into like kind of the business of law. Like, how do I understand the expertise of the firm? How do I understand yep. the knowledge that we have, the work we've done, the budgets we've had for projects? And so we started adding in foundation, which gives us all understanding of the expertise and a lot of the knowledge. Clocktimizer that actually can tell you, Peter's company, that helps you understand what people actually did when they worked on a matter. So how do I understand the yeah. price and budget for the different work we're doing? And then we've kind of continued to expand from there. So we look at, and so I think this gets more towards the heart of your question, when we're, when we're looking at how we're going to expand, we look at what are the different workflows that we're already involved in and how do we extend those or kind of fill in more pain points that are being experienced that workflow. And so sometimes we'll look and say, okay, we should build this. This mm -hmm. is something that should be an obvious feature extension of what we're doing. But if it's like, if that feature is really big and really nuanced and there's a best in class technology out there that does that, we should look at it. So in the transaction space, the diligence process, you are reviewing so many documents and you're looking for all of these key um, terms. And so, you know, Kira had developed this best in class, amazing contract analysis, AI understanding of the terms in all these legal agreements. It yep. can run across thousands of documents for diligence and pull out all the key things that you need to take a look at. 
that made absolute sense for us to bring that in. It fit into a key area, a key pain point. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of some, that's to the broadest sense, happy to go through. And we, the, that doesn't even cover the one we add. So we always look for yeah. new areas to add in, to incorporate into the, to the set that we're yeah. working on. Yeah. You, you just touched upon that a bit, but how is kind of the ratio between buy versus build? Cause I mean, your PE backed, does it mean you're, you're, you're really looking at, at mostly buy? So we do, we do both. We really do. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm, I think is super impressive about this company. And I think what keeps me excited to continue to stay. So I sold Doxley now two and a half plus years ago, you know, three in May or no, three in August. But what I get thinking is exciting is that we still have a lot of organic growth. So we're still adding features. We're still continuing to build on our product set. We're finding ways to integrate the products that we've built so that they can talk to each other yeah. in better ways. And so I think the organic growth that we're able to do with the products that we have and continuing to build on them, I think is like really important. But having an inorganic channel that is a real kind of process driven, you know, we're going to continue to grow yeah. through that it is definitely part of our strategy. So, yeah. so we, we try to balance a little bit on that. Yeah. yeah. How does being a subject matter expert and being the head of corporate at the same time, of course, because you're playing in the legal space, right? So how does that influence your work? Yeah, I mean, it, it it has a pretty heavy impact because you start to think about how would I, how have I experienced this pain point and how does the solution we're looking at seek to solve that? And so when you can come at it with the lens of the user to understand, is this something that if we brought this in, people would want to use, it gives you a different lens. Mm. It also kind of helps you ask the right questions of the founders. Like, let's drill in on this point a little bit. Like, how are you solving this? Um, also, if you've worked at a law firm, you understand some of the nuances around security and how you work with clients. And so it helps you kind of really drill in on some of the key points. Like if you're going to sell, especially if we look at a technology that has a much broader market, there are certain things that, you know, not every technology from a broad market can play in a legal market. Yep. So you can kind of understand the nuances. But when, when you can understand the pain that's trying to be solved, you can help think about this. Is this something that people really need or is this a want? Is this too narrow of a scope? Yep. The context switching is really impacting adoption. So yes. if I have a process that's five steps and I have to use five technologies to complete it, I'm not going to. And so you, if, if it's too narrow and you know what the process is, then you're like, ah, we're going to have to, we, we have to understand. Yeah. You just mentioned that kind of trying to connect the different applications, but is the goal always, and I know you're maybe not involved with integration so much, but is the goal always to really closely knit it together and build like one platform or do you still kind of hold a portfolio of different brands? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And when we think about it, we're usually thinking about how do, when we look at an acquisition, there's, for the most part, there's usually a first order integration where if this if the data from this technology would come into this technology, it would make it so much more powerful. Yeah. And so we think about how those integrations could happen. But we're a lot of times we're thinking about how the data starts to move so you can build one process, but it doesn't have to be that we're building one application. So 
there are situations where we've bought technologies that, you know, like they do very similar things. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to have two separate applications. So in that instance, we're looking to say, like, let's bring these two together so that we can serve a much broader set of transactions with one single application. Yes, yeah. But you look at foundation and Clocktimizer, foundation is our expertise system and they can understand a matter. And, and if you pull up a matter in foundation, you can see who worked on it. You can see like, what was the, what were we trying to do? What was the overall budget for it? But what Clocktimizer then comes in and it says, here is what each attorney did on the matter. The person was mostly involved in drafting. This person was mostly involved in diligence. And then I can say for every phase of that matter, here's how much time and uh, cost was associated yeah. for each. And so in that instance, those two applications are separate, except the data from each of them is so powerful for the two of them. And so that's a data integration. And so... Yeah. And we bought a new product called ProsperaWare. That is our kind of user provisioning layer that we hope to put across all the applications. Oh, okay. Where it's like, now that we have so many different products and we integrate with other products within a law firm, we have an now we have this user layer that says, okay, how do I provision users securely across each system? How do I make sure that I know where the data is that's moving? So we don't have to integrate everything into one platform, we now can say, okay, these things need to operate in these certain ways. I need to get these this data and these users into these different systems and mm. understand how they come together. So that's kind of where we're going is more yeah. of the data connections. Well, yeah, I love that because also the way you're describing it, it really sounds like the, I mean, the classic, classic build mentality is of course, you know, try to identify what are the problems in the market, and then you have to validate it. You have to actually find if there's a click with, with the target audience. But I mean, the way you're describing it, you kind of just look at that solution that already have a great fit, that already have proven that they, they solve something. So that's what I love about, about your mentality also and, and the way you, you do deals. But also the way you're talking, Haley, like one thing I really like, how cl closely do you work with the CEO? Because you sound like a CEO right now talking about, <laughs> talking about this. You're really bringing the strategic perspective I was just uh, talking this morning with about the perspective, okay, how often CFOs are kind of scared of, of the head of M&A because they have the strategic lens. Like how close, how close do you work with the C CEO? And are you, are you kind of the vacation replacement for the CEO? <laughs> yeah. So I work super closely together and that's actually, I, I feel so fortunate to have like one of the best CEOs to work with. Like I've learned so much from him. So he's a former lawyer as well. So I think that's where a lot of this works. Like we can speak the same language. We understand the pain points. We care about the users, like like we really deeply do and like the mission that we have. And so so we can like, we work really closely on the strategy and and like, but you know, it is one of those things that's, it's it's a really powerful thing where he's like, okay, you present, what should we do? why you know we will all like kind of validate and that but like as the head of corp dev like you come with what that recommendation is yeah. and, and why we should do the things and and build that case and so it is a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of responsibility but a lot of like you know kind of autonomy to say okay here's things that i think about and that's not to say that that he's coming with like tons of ideas of things we could do or should do or look at and and HG doesn't have, and that's actually one of the most, I think, incredible things is to have a PE fund that 
truly understands the industry that you're in. And I think that has been a huge thing because I can go to them and we can brainstorm yeah. about specific things like, okay, what if we took this in this direction? And I'll come in and I'll say, okay, I want to, I, I think we could expand TAMP this way. And here, it, here's like the five companies that I would look at to build out this other mm. space or, you know, like we're going to go in, you know, so it's, it's been a great ability to say, like, think strategically, you know, yeah. from both the, the, you know, with the CEO. And so I get to sit on the C-suite with our, in, in our executive team in terms of understanding, like, yeah, okay, yeah. what's going on in each area? Where do we want to grow more? Where are we seeing more opportunity? Because I think it really helps you think about how you want to kind of move that strategy yeah. forward. And then I work a lot with our with our PE fund to like, just really think about like what, what, where the opportunities yeah. lie. So it is a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. Okay. So I understand kind of also the deal sourcing it happens partially in your department, partially with the CEO and partially with the PE fund. Yeah. I think most, probably for the most part at this point, most of the deal sourcing actually sits with me and then mm -hmm. I present to everyone else. But if someone else is like, Hey, take a look at this, then, you know, the, the, the ideas can come from anywhere. And I actually like, well, well, every now and then, you know, we'll get someone from sales being like, hey, we keep hearing about this. Can you take a look yeah. at this? Or we'll hear someone from product saying, hey, we can really accelerate our roadmap if you took a look at something in this area. So yeah. I think that's one of the, you know, from coming from a CEO background, I actually think that actually helps because you're used to trying to like understand like how all the departments are working together. Yeah. So it gives you the ability to understand the perspective of different groups as to yeah. like what's making sense and what what do you need to to look at to yeah. to bring together a strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take a take a step back because otherwise I'll 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 dump a bit too much into M and A operations because I also mm -hmm. want to later talk a bit about like how you actually like operationalize these deals because I mean that's that that sheer volume that you're running that's just insane insane you know so <laughs> that's something I want to I want to jump into later but. Let's take a step back because you were first a lawyer and then an entrepreneur. Um, and of course, it's a logical journey because you, you built a, a tool with Doxley in the, in, the, in the legal space. But tell me about that switch because that's not the, I mean, of, of course, it's a switch that often happens when you become an independent lawyer or you start your own law firm. But like building a tech company as a lawyer, that's a switch I've never heard about before, to be honest. So <laughs> tell me about that switch that you made. It is a tough switch. It is a really, you know, I, you know, you, you're, when you're a business lawyer and I was, I helped a lot of startups. I did a lot of venture capital and M&A as well. So I saw a lot of companies go through those growth cycles and you, you give them counsel on, okay, what do you need to do to raise money? So I represented a lot of VC funds as well. So I knew what, what helped to go into pitch deck. So I would spend a lot of time talking to my clients about their business, trying to understand what they did and things like that. And so you think to yourself, like, well, I get it. I represent businesses. I understand their problems. I understand the pain points they go through. And then you go into this world and you're like, whoa, this is so different. The different <laughs> components of a business that need to come together, the different areas. You know, I, I still believe to this day that our VP of engineering, Moses, was like a magician that just made magic happen and code just turned <laughs> into these things. And so, you know, obviously I, I know a lot more and probably dangerously so about how our architecture and worked because of integrations that we were working on and things yeah. like that. So, well. but I was fortunate when I started Doxley, the law firm I was working at, the managing partner, Steve Humke, was introduced me to um, this group called High Alpha, which we had represented from the formation of a venture studio. 
And so it's, you know, like four incredible businessmen who've all had like success. Scott Dorsey had created Exact Target. Eric Tobias had created Idaho Digital. Mike had worked on operationally on a number of really large companies and, and Christian Anderson had created Studio Science. And they came together to create this, this venture studio to help take ideas that they had and then find CEOs to lead them. I was the first idea that was not theirs. And so they took the idea in because they thought that like they'd gone through so many legal processes and thought, God, this is such a painful process from the client perspective. How do we make it better? And so my idea went up against their ideas in the sprint week and it won to be the next company. And so they'd asked me to, you know, what I consider being CEO. I originally said no, because I had just made equity partner in my law firm and I was super happy and but I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I came over, but the benefit for me of being a lawyer working with a venture studio is a lot of those things that I didn't necessarily understand immediately, like how do you set up the financial systems, the HR systems, the hiring systems, everything like that. They helped with a lot of the back office infrastructure mm-hmm. and I read a lot of books and they, I, I, I think the one thing about being a lawyer that's super helpful is you're really curious and you want to learn. So I just met with a ton of people that understood things better than I did. I looked to hire people that had experience in areas that I didn't. And so I was not trying to hire people that were as similar to me. I wanted to hire people that had knowledge and understanding in areas where I had gaps. But it was a lot of like on the like in the thick of it, learning, trying to figure it out and iterate. It was like an infield MBA. (laughs) It was. It's like, let's be as like, we took agile to heart, you know, and yeah. every aspect of the business, like, how are we going to, you know, how do we change adoption? Like, how do you, you know, and, and you learn to adapt because law firm sales cycles are really long. Their security protocols yeah. are insanely tough. And so you are, you know, you know, you're learning so much each day. And we were teaching them about an industry that they had not really been involved with before. And so it was it was a very hectic but really exciting process of mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. Okay, fast forward. So you ran Doxly for three years, I think, is mm-hmm. it correct? Like three years yeah. and you were acquired in 2019 by mm-hmm. your now employer. Tell me about the acquisition process and how was it being on the selling side? I mean, it it was a really crazy process. So, you know, we had, we were fortunate that we had interest from another, a a couple of different prospective buyers. So, you know, the process was- You were looking actively to sell or or was it just, you were approached by different buyers at the same time? We were approached by different people. Okay. We were actually in the process of doing our series A and we'd actually, one of the cool things about the technology is because when lawyers would use it, they were using it on venture capital deals and things like that. So we actually got reach out from certain investors that were looking to potentially invest because they had accessed the technology through the deals that they were doing. That was really interesting. And so we were in the process of looking at a series A and we got inbound interest from more than one potential acquirer. So that gives you a moment to pause and think, okay, is this the right time? I mean, we were small, but we were, we were a 10 person team, but we'd gotten some pretty good global recognition. We had amazing customers. And so we were like, all right, let's take a look at it. And so we had interest from a number of different places. And so we started going through the process and, you know, we were getting, you know, kind of offers at a, at a price that like really did make sense. And 
gave us a lot of opportunity to continue growing the business and things like that. And so when it came down to it, you know, kind of high alpha, who was like kind of the larger presence on our board said that, you know, if the offers are equal, then you decide which company you go with and which, which group you go to. And that was actually got to be really stressful because you, you meet these people, you like them. I built relationships with these different companies over, well, actually it's interesting. The two that we ended up with the down to the end were the one, the two that I didn't know as well. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to like figure out like, how is my team going to fit into this? How will I fit into this? What do I think is the best chance of, of growing the product? And so that first decision was really stressful to think about like, which LOI do I sign? And the, <laughs> you know, and having that being the person that makes the decision yeah. and the only one that could make the decision, that was stressful. So I yeah. remember signing it at night. I like, I was like, we'd had meetings all day and I was like, they're like, you sign, you pick the one to sign, you have them both, you sign it. And so I sat there and I just debated, I debated, I talked to my husband, I was like, I just have to go with my gut. <laughs> and I, honestly, part of the reason that I went with Latera is because my initial conversations were actually with the PE fund and I just found them so knowledgeable and so having such a depth of understanding. And I remember talking to Scott Dorsey and he's like, well, have you met the team? And I'd, I'd met the CEO and I was like, he's great. We <laughs> really get each other. We get, and he goes, and, and I had said, I was like, but how often do you like the PE fund that backs the company? And I was like, I just, I don't yeah. know. Like there's something about that that is so unique. Yeah. And that was the deciding factor. Like I, I liked the executive team that I got to meet, although some of it was kept secret because they had bought a company mm. that had a competitive product to mine. So no one could know. Like I, I went to the office and I couldn't wear my Doxley jacket. I had to take it off because <laughs> it would have like potentially caused like some like yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> I remember having to hide my Doxley stuff when I went into the office yeah. to do the in-person meeting. That's some playbook I um, made right there, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, I picked the, I signed it. But one of the two things that got me to sign is I'd been, the process had been going on for a while and I was like, I need to focus. We're either doing an A or we're doing a deal. Yeah. So I don't want a long time period. I, I, I don't want it to be like, like I, I was arguing with one the other person group about yeah. a an exclusivity no shop provision that they wanted to be 45 days and i was like can we do 30 plus 15 or and so latera came back and hg and said we'll do it in seven to ten days wow <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> So i signed and we did from from loi signature diligence negotiating and closing we did in 10 days Wow. So we did use the Doxley platform to do the whole deal. The diligence, the data room was in it. We negotiated the documents on it. We sent all the signatures out. We ran the whole project on, on the system, which was very stressful because, you know, it's like, you're, you're like, oh my God, this has to show up exactly. Like we know it works, but yeah. super important now. Wow. Haley, when I hear your stories, it's really it, it kind of amazes me and I'm kind of blown away by it because it's, it's, it's like, I mean, I can obviously hear that you probably worked your, your ass off for, for like quite some time. I mean, just like diving into that business world, diving into that startup world and, and going through all these processes, uh, running through all these errands and, and, and yet 
it, it almost sounds too good to be true <laughs> that, that all these things just come together. You know, you, you build that world, you build that network of people and you're kind of playing in that, in that niche that isn't really a niche. I mean, the legal space is not really like, it's a niche, but it's, it's, it's a huge niche, right? You're playing in that space and then you have the, you, you kind of like become buddies with the PE. So like, what are the traits that, that helped you manage that so well? Like, like, what was it? Was it like, I mean, and don't tell me it was just luck. I mean, like there was, there were certain parts, like what, what was it that made everything fit so well together for you? Yeah. I, I think one of the things that I think helped was being out there and putting, being that, that kind of the networking side. So when you're a lawyer, you have to figure out how to develop business and create this book of business. And, and a lot of times you're kind of learning on your own. You, you yeah. go to an event and you stand in the corner with like the three other lawyers and you just talk about legal stuff and you just don't do anything else because no one wants to talk to the lawyer at events. So I, I went from being that person that like everyone's like, oh no, you're just trying to get my business. I'm like, no, I want to <laughs> understand your business. So from that perspective, I learned how to build a network when people weren't as receptive. And so as a startup company, I wanted to build those relationships with all the different companies. I wanted to understand the players in the space. I wanted to understand like, what were the, what were the bigger companies? What were they doing? And I remember one of the groups that actually came back and looked to acquire us, they called me one day and they're like, why haven't you called us? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, why haven't you reached out to try to partner? And I was like, because I had to build my business for you to want to partner with me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't go to market just with like, I like, yeah, I think yeah. sometimes in the startup world, you're like, oh, this person can help me get to a lot of customers. And if they could help me get to the customers, it'll be great for all of us. But if you can't come to that bigger company and say, this is why it's valuable to you, then you're not going to necessarily create a relationship because they don't have time. They're yeah. really busy doing, selling their own things. So I wanted to focus on building our own presence. And so I wanted to understand how the industry worked. I wanted to understand who the players are. I got to know them, but not with the purpose of them partnering with us or, you know, needing something from them. I just wanted to get to know them. Yeah. And then that meant also that I wanted to get to know more of the law firms. And so we did a lot of thought leadership. How do we connect? So we knew firms in like, we were, and we actually didn't know this. We started getting calls from firms in Australia wow. and they had actually written an article about us because we had put a bunch of thought leadership out about the area. And they, without even calling us, wrote an article about this new area in like transaction management. And so we started getting calls. And so it was really more of like building a presence, focusing on thought leadership, focusing on, you know, our depth of understanding. We truly understood the problem. And yeah. we understood it not from the just the user, the associate that was going to put the signature pages together. We understood it from the perspective of the partner that needed to oversee and manage the client relationship. And we also understood how the firm's like finance department like thought about things. And so we tried to make sure that we could express that knowledge. And so I did a lot of speaking, like which was hard because you're trying to manage a business and you're trying to run a business. But I had to be out there. I had to get in front of people. I had to go to every event I could and challenge myself to meet more people. And so building that network without necessarily overselling or trying to partner with everyone, I just, you build this connection layer. And then when you have an opportunity and someone reaches out to you and say, we're interested in buying, I called five people right after that and said, I promised you 
if there was ever something that might happen, I would let you know. And so then I told those and then that led to us having more opportunity. So it was a lot of, yeah. you know, not sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And, and just, yeah. The, the, is it something that's natural to you, to, to being a networking person? I, you know, it's, I, I think about it a lot. I, I, I used to think I was not like an extroverted person. I was like more, I was a swimmer. So I was used to doing things kind of quietly and on my own. And I would just get up and go to like morning swim practices and you're in the water. So you're not engaging. But I think I realized that I, I love talking to people and I love learning from people. And so once I could get past the awkward first part of the conversation <laughs> where you just don't know what to say, like yeah. to introduce yourself or how to like start the conversation. Once I got past that, I, I genuinely like learning from people. And so I think then I, I just got, uh, so it started out, I was like, I will meet one person that is not a lawyer at an, at a tech event. And then I was yeah. like, I'm going to meet two people <laughs> and then I'm going to meet four people. And so I just challenged myself to like break out of yeah. that, like break out of my comfort zone. And so now it's so much more comfortable, but it took yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. You just mentioned talking to your husband about, uh, about the deal, um, before you sold, is your husband a lawyer or <laughs> which, he is, yeah. okay, so. a public defender, like totally okay. different, like worlds and yeah. like totally different kind of concept, but yes, yeah. lawyer too. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. That's, that's enough of a different space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Like, did you, did you initially, so how did the transition to, to join Litera full-time go? So did you take some time off before? Just <laughs> that would have been okay. so I lovely. No, I yeah. tend to jump right into each thing yeah. to the point that Avanish has to remind me to take vacation sometimes. He's like, it'd yeah. be good if you just took it on your own. But yeah. <laughs> so we, because they had acquired Workshare Transact and Doxly within like two months of each other. Yeah the work to start to bring these things together and to do as much as we could for Q4 started immediately. Yeah. So I did take a week off. Like we sold in August. I took a week off in October, but like we had to hit the ground running. And so, you know, it was a tough one because they, I was, I was made general manager of transaction management, which meant okay. that I was not only kind of overseeing kind of Doxly, but Workshare Transact. Yeah. And, you know, which was really tough for them to like Workshare had just been acquired and Transact team was part of Workshare. So they had just been acquired by Latera. So they were just going through this whole mm. journey of being acquired. And then we came in as well. So now you have competitors that are now working together to build something together. And, yeah. and that's challenging, you know, yeah, out, even if we were just the two combining together. But now we were combining together at the same time with a third group that neither of us were, you know, as close to. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. So it meant like diving in right away and going to London and getting to know that team mm. and and starting to try to like break down the like competitive barriers where we're like, oh, we're used to going in the market and being like, hey, look at our solution. Now it's like, what could we possibly do together? So it really was a jump right on into it and start to to kind yeah. of like try to build bridges with people and and teams. How do the other field teams uh, teams feel about you leading this this integration process? Because I mean, like they're just being bought, and then someone like a semi competitor that's also been bought is leading the integration. That's isn't a bit strange for them. I imagine it was. I imagine it wasn't an easy situation. It, it was, you know, it's probably tough on both sides. I mean, I I came to it, you know, 
with a lot of like, you know, apprehension, like how would they view us? How would Mm. they view, you know, having me come in and tell them what like might happen next? So I tried to be a little bit more like, hey, like, let's work together to figure that out. But that's not always going to be the best way. Like Mm. you have too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't make as much progress. And and so there were some tough moments. There definitely were some tough moments. And, you know, and I'm probably, you know, it's like one of those things you're like, you, I probably could have done a thousand things differently or better, you know, been more like kind of like, no, we really do need to do it this way. We really need to focus in like, here's the thing. And, you know, and, or, you know, kind of, brought more of the leadership into like say okay like let's like all yeah. sit down and really like kind of figure this out yeah. but because we sold different our pricing structures were different mm-hmm. like how we contracted was different and so you're like you're having to literally go in and say okay <laughs> we're now going to sell in a different way we're going to price in a different way we're going to which i actually changed my well, first thing i did after i had sold was we changed our pricing structure because i didn't like the way we were doing it. i thought it was too complicated for firms so that was actually the first thing we did and then we we use that process that we were changing the Doxley pricing to change the transact pricing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, so it's, you know, I, I feel, you know, we still work with, you know, a number of the people from Workshare Transact or, you know, and Doxley are still working together. And, you know, you build these like great relationships and, but yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not easy. But that it takes one's time. Not it takes one. time. Yeah. At what point did you move from the transaction management side towards uh, the corporate dev department? Did Litera already have a, a full-time corporate dev person at that point? Or no. Were, yeah. no, the CEO and the chief product officer worked with HG a lot to mm-hmm. do the corp dev. And so HG managed a lot of the like logistics of it. And then they would weigh, they would kind of weigh in and, and, and help kind of yeah. lead the process from the Litera side. So after about nine months, like I was being brought in to help with like broader sales and business development. So, you know, we were acquired in, in August of 2019 Mm -hmm. and then, you know, so 2020 spent a lot of time working on the integration. How do we bring out, build out new adoption type stuff? How do we work on how we're going to sell and things like that? Then after then I started working on broader things. So since I worked in the, I was a partner and I worked on the firm's finance committee as a partner, I like understood like kind of broader scope of things. So I started helping marketing out. Like I was like, you know, especially when we transit, the pandemic happened, I was like, what if we created a conference? And then it was like, okay, what if we did this to get the brand out there more? And so it started to be that I was just more naturally doing things Mm -hmm. that had a broader business development. So they moved me into the, you know, I don't know, I kept having long titles. So I went from general (laughs) manager of transaction management to like uh, global director of business development and, and, and strategy. And so I was doing a lot of the, like a lot of business development for larger customer sets, like let's understand for these bigger firms on a global basis, what they really need, how we can grow our business with them across the board. And then a portion of my time was then devoted to court depth. So I was building out our litigation strategy. Like what did we want to do as the first thing for that? What were some other acquisition things that we wanted to take a look at? And so that that's where that kind of corp dev piece kind of started to get in. And then I was like, okay, but what if we did this? Like, what if we looked at this company? What if we looked at this? And so I think that kind of interest in that area and saying, hey, like, let's think about this or, you know, let's like kind of work on this 
they came to me at the end of 2020 and said, hey, what if you just, what if we put you exclusively on Quark Dev and we yeah. build the function and you build it internally at Latera? And in 2020, we did four acquisitions. And so we, you know, we'd done a, you know, a couple and I'd been helping out on them. And so then it was like, okay. And in December of 2020, that's when I kind of more formally yeah. started working in that area. And then, and then it was, all right, now we're off to the, now we're off to, yeah. off to the races in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I could also not really picture another position in a company than the corporate of death position being actually of, of interest for you long-term. Cause I mean, you're not only a lawyer, but you also have an entrepreneurial background, right? So it, it, that, that entrepreneurial itch, is it something that, that helps you in your activities? I think so. I think that, um, I think when you're thinking about corp dev, you are thinking about, you know, how do we grow and advance the business? And, mm. you know, I think about what's exciting and what's next and like, what's going to change the industry. And so you, you continue to have thoughts about like what you would do if you were doing something separate yeah. and you know, the, the, I think the excitement and the, the challenge that corp dev brings is it's like, you get to continue to think about like what that future is and how mm. it could all come together, but you do it in the context of the, of like the, the company we're building. Yeah. And so I think, but I think what's exciting about Latera is that because we aren't focused just on one single like kind of area of law, we really have a broad remit. Like I can think super broad. I can think about, and you know, there's not really a limit to what, I mean, we do have areas that we're kind of like, not that are like e-discovery is not really an area that we kind of focus in on mm. and like, you know, different there's certain systems that are like, yeah, that's not our focus, but the, the, the directions we can go, the problems we can solve mm. there, you know, that my excitement to learn more about what, possibly we could do oh, could we solve this pain point is there yeah. someone out there that solves this other pain point that we know is there and so that's kind of fun with peter's also a lawyer and so we can like bounce off each other like okay what are you thinking about this like okay let's take take yeah. a look at this it, it makes it that entrepreneurial spirit i do think it plays a number of important roles yeah. it also plays an important role in how i work with founders yeah. to actually do the deals to win the deals to yeah. bring them into the bring them into latera so i think it it, it plays a number of really beneficial roles in corp yeah. dev which people might not and automatically is absolutely and how is it with your with your peers maybe in other companies not sure how big you a networkers but if you talk to people with a finance background in m a like like what are the key differences you notice to people that have a finance background at the lead MA course <laughs> well they can do the projections that i can't yeah. <laughs> so my cfo does a lot of them and i will actually be i'll actually be hiring for a corp dev associate to join us that has the finance background to kind of round out our mm. team but yeah, I mean, I've had to spend a lot of time really learning and understanding like what are, and, and it's like, you know, when you're a CEO, I understand, like, I understand net retention. I understand like growth rate. I understand EBITDA and I, I understand all of the different metrics that are important. But if you said build out, you know, three-year projections based on this level of data, I can give you a general sense of how I think ARR should grow. And by yeah. extension, I, I know expenses need to grow in, in, a, in a kind of a proportional way. But like building out those financials and being able to do that quickly and, and, and 
And, you know, I can get to what I would think evaluation expectation would be, but to like present it in a way to the board where it's like, it's everything's like factually based. Like I do need that financial counterpart to like help me with that. And so, so there are some parts of, of what a, you know, kind of tradi- more traditional corp dev can do that. Like, I, like I have the understanding, the ba- basis mm-hmm. level of understanding, but they can put those models together. What? way faster than I could and and yeah. with a lot more detail that, you know, can really help underlie the decisions that we're making. So yeah. I think it's super important to have that component in your corp dev department. My difference is that I can, I can under, I understand the industry super deeply. Yeah. So I can talk to the law firms and understand what their needs are and I can get them to like, you know, kind of pick up the phone and tell me and, and they know I'll understand what they're saying. They don't have to, they don't have to explain in, in greater detail. I can talk to the founders. I understand their experience. I understand the, the difficulties. They mm-hmm. I, I, they don't have to hide some of the difficulties about what their company is because they know I'll understand them. So yeah. we can have more like realistic, candid conversations. So it's mm-hmm. not like everyone has to be bright and shiny every moment. We can have a realistic conversation because it's not that I'm going to ding them for the thing that is super common in the industry. And so I, I think I can the the things that i understand about the strategy of what we want to accomplish i understand how the founders fit in i can give them a better sense of like what we could do together and we can like brainstorm of how those integrations might work and what the possibilities might become that stuff that i can do that someone that's focused more on the numbers like doesn't do it the same way yeah 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 that makes total sense the, the last part of this conversation, um, I kind of want to talk about your deal um, execution. So, because of course you, you're running, you just had nine deals last year. I think you said you already did like two deals this year, but you're now, I mean, now you're two used to be only you. Like, how do you manage that, that flow? Like, how do you collaborate internally um, or, or external advisors to actually manage that, that amount of deals? Yeah. I mean, we have, um, you know, we did a lot of deals that actually were in a lot of different countries as well. So we have, you know, we built relationships with legal outside legal teams that we can use in different, you know, depending on where we are in the world. So it's it's helped to build out relationships. So you have that outside counsel advisor. We use the same. We use ENY and for finance and tax diligence. And so you kind of have built a relationship with them. So they know exactly what we want to look for. They want they know, you know, what we need to do. And so we've built a that helps because that financial tax diligence is always one of the more time-consuming parts of the process, but so critical yep. to being able to move forward. So we, you know, having that, building that rapport and having that understanding. Now they probably like are like, oh my God, Haley, like please take a break. <laughs> <laughs> like you take a vacation. I've never yeah. had more people want me to take a vacation <laughs> until I've taken this job and everyone's like, you should take a vacation. Like, please yeah. do. Uh, so, but building those relationships is really important. Mm. And then I think what we've done internally, and this has been an evolving process, and I think this will continue to evolve. When we think about how we do deals, like who are the people that need to be involved? A lot of times, and I think in the beginning, Latera did this too. It was very, very isolated. Like mm. a very few select people knew about a deal and like the entire exec team didn't necessarily know until the end. And I, I saw this a lot when I represented clients, like you, you try to keep the information as siloed as possible because the risk of it getting out 
could potentially ruin the deal mm. or stress out your team. And we decided to take an approach now of bringing more people in. And yeah. so because if you need people to take over on integration for sales and marketing and all these things and everything has to start happening, we were getting to the point where it's like, you got to be able to have someone that can write a press yeah. release. Like I was writing the press releases for a while because okay. <laughs> like in the beginning, because like I, if we couldn't bring everyone from marketing in, like no one could write, like, so I would write the first drafts of the press release and send mm. it over. And then it becomes super unsustainable because I, like, I, you know, it's like, then the lawyer of me wants to look at the legal docs and make sure the legal terms, but like Mila, our GC is so incredible and like super amazing at everything we do on deals. And so I've kind of learned, which is the other hard lawyer thing to learn is how to truly delegate. So I, she runs most of that. I get brought in on any of the key issues that we need to really resolve. And then, so I understand what's going on the legal side. You know, I've got a rapport with our finance team. Our CFO manages any sort of out like lending and how do we fund the deals. And so he's got that process kind of all baked out. And then now I bring in our CTO on every deal and our, our chief revenue officer is involved from the like some of the product demos, sometimes even before LOI, mm. just to like give us that insight. And so, and, you know, and then depending on the deal, the size of the deal, there's differing levels of HG involvement yeah. on it, but we do run a lot of it ourselves. And so it's just, you know, really building out the strong relationships with the exact team and the expectations of what I need from them. So I have like question sets from every functional group that we try to gather all this information, both from a legal diligence and from a integration diligence. And so I try to bring the people together so that we can, you know, position, not only position the deal in the best way possible for the yeah. board to understand what we want to do, but that diligence period, you can do so much to set up your integration by like, you're gathering tons of information to make sure mm. you want to move forward. But if you set it up properly, you can then take that diligence and turn it into the integration framework. Yeah. And so we're working, that's an area we're continuing to evaluate, like how does corp dev and integration teams work together mm. more seamlessly so that we can move things to the appropriate people. Wow. So, so. just to paraphrase that, you're really looking at from a, the sourcing happens in, I'm just going to kind of recap this whole conversation. So the, the, the sourcing happens really with you, with your PE firm, with your CEO, you, you then the actual execution happens really integrated with the entire team. And then because you're all also domain experts, you can kind of really take care of the whole process. You have the typical people for, for helping with the financial side of things. And then you bring an outside counsel in, in order to kind of seal the deal. It must be quite annoying actually for the outside counsel to work with a bunch of lawyers. <laughs> So fortunately, they, you know, it is interesting, like, you know, I think I, I worried about that. I did because I would be like, no, we're not doing it this way. And then, but I think, you know, you develop like kind of a rapport with the council team that you're working with. And so they get to know like what issues are really important and, and like, and then you, then, you know, it's in, it's been an interesting switch because, you know, as a lawyer, you're taught to be super risk adverse. And you've got to like protect against every risk. And as the business person, yeah. you have to get the deal done. And then you have to sit there and say, okay, no, actually walk me through. Like if this is going to cause a problem, like literally tell me what the problem is. And then it's like, okay, so if these five things happen and they all go wrong, all five of them, 
it has to be all five, then this risk presents itself that isn't covered by the, the document. Okay. Is that accurate? And it's like, okay, we can give on that. And it's then you get into the like, should, do we have to? This is their risk. And it's like, it's this balance. And so you learn, you know, it's like I, in some benefits, that's the ben the lawyer side benefit. It's like I can actually think through the different risks that would be like, what are the legal risks mm -hmm. as presented from a business perspective and be like, guys, like, let's honestly talk about this. Like, we care about this point. And this is I, I will say the head of corporate who was the managing partner that at Ice Miller that introduced me to High Alpha. So like, I remember him sitting down there and saying, you know, like some people look at an, a deal and they say, here are the 15 points that are really or that are important to us. And we want to win as many of those 15 points as possible. And that's how some people negotiate. They're like, if I get 14 out of 15, I feel really good that I did everything for my client. I got 14 out of 15. Well, that last one was the, actually the most important point to the client. You did not do a good job for your client. Yeah. You'd have been better getting one out of 15 because that was the only one they cared about than getting those other 14 that really didn't matter as much. So I come, that was how I was like trained to negotiate. Like yeah. if you could win the five most important points, it's okay to give on the other 10 because you got what your client needed. So I bring that mentality to the business side. What is the absolute most important thing and what are the risks that I need to protect Latera from? And if I can do that, I'll figure out how, I'm not gonna, but I'm also not gonna give on everything, but I, I can figure out how to better focus our counsel. And so it's, it's sometimes though getting past this, you know, this is a risk and it's like, I do. And you, <laughs> we all also just talked about how low it is. Yeah. Haley, that was awesome. Thank you so much for the conversation. I'm really bullish on, on the Terra. I'm really bullish on you also, to be honest. Like, so great well, conversation. You. And you, you just mentioned a job that you guys are also looking for right now. So if you just want to take the couple of seconds to pitch that one. Yeah, I need to post it. So that is on me, but by next week, hopefully I will have out, we are looking for a corporate development associate, junior, it could be junior, but senior as well someone to join our team, helping kind of all aspects of the M&A process, really kind of building out the financial side, the projections. We'll have a really big role. We're very active and we have a lot of things ahead of us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Haley. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the Open IC. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave a review that really helps and connect with us for feedback on fintalent.io. See you next time.